timing for him had changed, but everything's just lifted and become positive. And you can see, you know, I can see that he's enjoying farming again. And that just has a flow on effect of making everything better all round for the family, for the staff. Hello, and welcome along to the Quorum Sense podcast. I'm John O'Frew, and I'm excited to be here with you as we dive into exploring how New Zealand farmers are creating more resilient, regenerative, and enjoyable farming systems. Welcome everybody to the Quorum Sense podcast. We're joined this morning by Greg and Lena Lowe, and Maya and Jenny Smith. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Greg and Lena are based just out of Hines in Canterbury, mid-Canterbury, and Maya and Jenny, where exactly are you guys, Maya? Oh, we're about 20 minutes south of Red Royal. Gotcha. And and both of these guys, uh, uh, both of these families are daring. Tell us a bit about your operations and what, you know, basic information about your properties to start with. Yeah, we're on a quite a steep ex-forestry conversion. So uh, 14 years out of pine. And we've got about 260 hectares effective and milk. 520 cows this year and we've got all of our young stock on farm um so yeah it's a bit of a there's, there's no stock really being brought in anymore it's a um it's all in-house which is nice um and we've been here for 10 years now so um we started into the what we're we're being called regen farmers now uh, and we started into that about six years ago started doing some trials and um, different things and after about three years of doing them trials we sort of decided to roll it out over the whole farm so that's this will this will be our fourth season this year um, sort of doing our style of regen and um, seems to be working quite well I'm pretty happy um, yeah so uh, the farm, it's, it's quite a steep farm, quite hilly. Um, there was pretty much bugger all topsoil when we got here. So that was probably one of the, the biggest motivations to get that resilience through summer. Um, we used to dry out in 10 days. The hills would just go brown. So um, And planting these different grasses and deeper root, rooted species has really helped with that as well. Um, so our production, we've gone once a day, this is our third, third season, did. yeah, third season this year, so um, production dropped away when we did that, uh, the first couple of years, so it's coming back, um, but our profit is um, pretty good, um, we're definitely making um, more money than when we first started on this farm on a really basic once a day system, low cost. And now our biggest uh, cost is brought in feed. Um, and that's something that we're, we're wanting to pull away from, but um, it's quite, a, quite hard to do. Um, and we're gonna do it slowly, you know, just not impact the cows too much, so yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome, Maya. Thank you so much. Greg, tell us a bit about your place. Uh, 
Um, my wife, Lynn, and I, we've been here in Canterbury. It's a for uh, 14, 15 years. And over time, it's gone from border dikes to pivots. So there's been quite a bit of soil disturbance. Things get knocked around and trees pulled down. Um, it was part of a bigger bigger farm. So we live on... we. A new shed was built, so there'd been a lot of fertility transfer off our block, and so we're slowly rebuilding. Um, but yeah, we milk about 640 cows on 183 effective hectares. We've got a bit of dry land that we try to farm off. Um, depends on the summer, the winter rains, that sort of thing, whether we can get much off it. This year it's actually going gangbusters and there's vetch up to the knees at the moment. So pretty excited about that. Trouble is it's full of rocks, so I'm gonna have a battle mowing it. Uh, so we we've mucked around with different sort of crops over the years as part of the development on the farm, growing kale, and then we started going to um, peas and oats and and then we sort of thought, oh well, we'll change it. And we didn't, we, we didn't really have to do that so much. And now we've started looking at as a regrassing thing is chucking in multi-species and trying to make them work. Um, we're still learning how to make it work. The silage we've got off those multi-species crops has been beautiful. Like uh, packs into the into the um, the pit nicely, feeds out really well. Cows love it. Um, so yeah we're still just early on in the journey I suppose There's, we've got a few paddocks on the farm and every year we're just trying to increase that area uh, so we're, we're still yeah, learning long way to go yet I'd say yep. now we have a support block so all the young stock are off um, so the stocking rates it's around three and a half cows to the hectare if everything's in pasture but uh, for most of the season, there's always a paddock out doing something. So, stocking rate probably a little bit higher at 3.8. So, you're both actually quite similar systems in a way, even though you're in quite different areas. You, you know, reasonably well self contained and uh, all that sort of thing. So, uh, surprisingly similar. Yeah. What's, what's your rainfall differences like? Um, Maya, I can't quite remember what you're, you're quite high rainfall, aren't you? Um, well, Except for summer. Depends what year it is, mate. Um, I think we're sort of 1,400 mils to up to around the 19 on a good year. Yeah. When you get all that rain, is it in one go or you, if you're lucky, it spreads out? Um, yeah, we get we can get pretty dry in summer. Um, but uh, like we just, yesterday we had about 60 mils, so that was nice. <laughs> um, and we got another probably 60 coming tomorrow. So, yeah, we had a really wet early spring. It was wet for here um, and cold. We're, we're pretty cold in the winter. We get, oh, we can get, we've had 30 frosts is about our highest amount. Um, and they can all come in a row. So you don't grow a lot of grass in winter here. Um, and having the hills and the pumice is really free draining. So we can handle as much rain as you can get. It doesn't matter. The next day you can drive a tractor on it. It's fine. Um, but that does dry out fast because the water just goes through. 
So trying to build that um, topsoil to hold that moisture is really important. Yeah. And you guys have got some, um, you guys have done a bit of testing around carbon and soil organic matter. Yeah, we've just had to start all that again because apparently it wasn't done properly. You know, <laughs> scientists, I can't do it like that. So we've, we've started again. Um, and I'll put on a, a multi-species summer crop. We've got two paddocks and one of them was conventional up until now. So now we'll change that to our system and we're just going to see what happens to carbon with that. Um, so yeah, we've done that testing as a baseline. Um, but with our normal testing, yeah, it was, it was quite impressive. So. And, and what are you guys noticing, like both for, for Greg and Lena and for Myra and Jenny, like the the way that your farm handles stock and handles moisture? I know you said, Myra, it's already free draining, but do you notice any difference in, uh, you know, the way that the paddocks bounce back, for instance, or the way the paddocks handle stock in these heavy rain events? Yeah, we're seeing, uh, we've seen improvements. Um, Still get a, we still get a little bit of pugging, but not not like we used to. And uh, when you drive past the neighbours, it's you sort of feel good about yourself sometimes about your decision. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always a good gauge for us. Yeah, it's probably it's probably the opposite. If we if we get a bit of pugging, it's like oh that's quite good because we've actually got some tops or pug. Mm. You know what I mean? Like uh, when we came here, you couldn't make you couldn't make mud. It was just, you know, we use the pumice for our races. That's what it's like. It's, it's um, really good for that. <laughs> when it's been bulldozed off, um, I think this farm was, the trees were cut down, 25-year-old trees, and they got replanted. And after 10 years, they came in and bulldozed it again and put it into a dairy farm. So it's actually been, it's been really hammered, this farm. Um, and, you know... They're not that delicate with bulldozers, so they really just scrape it off. Yeah, so we're start, we're starting from real scratch. So to see topsoil was is gold for us. Yeah, you guys didn't have that low disturbance bulldozer. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to direct something at Jenny and and Lena, um, if I can. What's this whole journey? And I and I love how you guys both mentioned journey and style like my you said your own style you know like because this is all very you know individual and context specific um but but for 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 jenny and for lena what's what's it been like in your relationships going through these sort of transitions and these journeys what do you mean like on farm or at home or with peers <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 sorry so with with you and maya for instance um you know, is there, is, do you guys have different goals? Do, do you find you're well aligned on most things or is, has it brought up certain challenges is it, or has nothing changed at all? Like what, what's it been like regarding? It's all quite similar. You sort of banter about things, but there's the odd thing that he'll say, oh, I told you so, or I'll do the same to him. I told you not to do that or something. But no, it's pretty similar. Yeah. And then you've always got something to talk about with the neighbours. Is that like in a in a positive light? Like, is that like invited, or is it like, you know, what's oh, that both. like? Yeah, both. They some think we're crazy. Some actually like what we're doing, but 
aren't quite keen enough to do it themselves. We've got we've had um, one neighbour that sort of got into it, mm. which is cool. Yeah, and others that do little bits and pieces. So yeah, yeah. I think Jenny thought I was mad when I first started. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I thought he'd been converted by a pulp. Yeah, it was, was it? just totally different. Was there some truth in that? <laughs> yes, probably. The light bulb moment, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Awesome. And what about what about you, Greg and Lena? Uh, what are you What are you finding? You know, because you guys have been farming for a long time together, and uh, has there been any impacts on on the way you guys uh, operate together on farm and off farm since you've been playing around with these new techniques of farming or this new sort of journey? Um, I think for us, the we'd got to a point where I could see Greg was quite unhappy. Things weren't working on the farm, but we were trying to do everything that we were being told to. Um, and we just weren't seeing the results and we weren't getting to where we wanted to be. And it had got really low. Um, even though we were still talking, the, our relationship was fine, but the, you could see Greg was really, yeah, the farming for him had changed. And then we, he's definitely been the driving force behind uh, the regenerative path. Um, but everything's just lifted and become positive and you can see positivity you know I can see that he's enjoying farming again and that just has a flow-on effect of making everything better all round for the family for the staff what do you think yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's something that's fresh it's new it always helps with your motivation but when you're seeing worms in the soil again or paddocks are responding we're still not growing as much grass. I'll never grow enough grass. I know that. But if it feels like we're, we're getting better. We feel good about the changes we're doing. Yeah. We still, you know, last year got wallet with grass scrub. But the grass actually held in longer than other farms around the district. So, yeah, that was little things like that. You know, yes, we've had a win. We've had a little win. So something we're doing is, is right. Yeah, sometimes sometimes just minimizing the damage and things like yeah. that grass scrub is that's the win in itself is uh yeah. it's bad but it's not as bad as it could have been sort of thing so yeah minimizing the damage is often the and same with what you guys uh Myra and jenny would be like when it goes dry it's like that's the big win yeah and that's that's for us that's management as well we've changed how we're managing our grass especially going into summer um i used to be a 18-day rounder all year pretty much. Might have stepped out to 25 going into summer. And um, now we'll be, we're probably about a 40-day round now. And we'll be going out to 50 days, hopefully end of this, where the silage country will come back in. When that does, it'll be days and we'll get, that'll be the start of January. And we'll have, you know, 35, 40 days in front of us. And that's a nice feeling, eh? When you you can go fishing or go on holiday, and you know you're not going to come back and go, "Oh, we're stuffed," you know. So <laughs> yeah. that's a nice feeling. Um, and talking to the guys, because I know you know I know a lot of farmers around here, and um, 
they don't do that. They're more more around a 30-day sort of round. Um, but they really are pushing their production. Yeah. That's what that's what they're worried about. Um, whereas I'm really we're looking hard at profit now. So I know our cows can do they average 1.2 milk solids for the whole 300 days. You can get up around the 380 milk solids a cow. So it's it's not hard to do if you look at it like that, you know. Mm. And what I can hear coming through from all of you this morning so far is, you know, everything you're doing is your choice and it, it's it's different. You know, it's not like prescriptive and, uh, you know, it, it's taken a certain amount of courage. And I, I think hearing each of you talk of your of what you're doing, like it's, a, you know, you're getting these wins, like it's like the wins are more, would you find the wins are more, satisfactory because it's it is your choice it's not like you're being told exactly how to farm i feel like we've gone from a position of um always doing what we're told to now it's it's definitely our driving force and it's our decisions and people are falling in line with that rather than telling us you know you can't do that type of thing yeah definitely but we still make mistakes, so we've got to suck it up every now and again. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with choice comes responsibility, Greg. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yep. Um, oh, you know, I'm glad I've made some mistakes. Um, not financially, but uh, right. I thought we won't do that again. It's simple as that. Change tact. Yep. What have been some of the hard learnings, guys? What have been some of the big, you know, oh shit. Yeah. Excuse my language there, but one of the you know those moments. Well, crops going in, it's too dry. Yeah, we've done. We've put crops in too late. Um, things like that, and you think, oh, that was a waste of time. I should actually just waited till the end of summer, mm. and then drilled a different mix, and we would have had the same tonnage. But that's conventional farming as well. You know, that's it. Doesn't matter what sort of farmer you make them same sort of mistakes, but we seem to learn from it now instead of. <laughs> You know, making Thank them, you. yeah, we, we don't repeat them sorts of mistakes like we used to. Yeah. One thing I've noticed, like when people are following a script, uh, there's there's not much that you can blame other than the season, you know, and everyone likes to blame someone or something. It's like, oh, we just had a bad season. You guys aren't, aren't taking that stance. It's not like, like what I'm hearing and, and what everyone's sharing um, before, Greg, you rip into the segment is like you are not, uh, are you actually at the cause of, of your decisions and at, you know, rather than being sort of, uh, excuse my bluntness, like a victim to circumstances, you're all actually like, okay, that happened. And now what? We're going to, we're going to learn from that. Yeah. 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 No, we've made like last year, uh, we didn't extend our round out early enough. Whereas other season it, it had worked quite well, um, so you know it is tough to get that sort of thing right. But um, so we know now that you want to do it. You want to start that before December when the grass is really humming. Um, and for other people, it'll be different on our farm. Yeah, I think that's the biggest key is, is find what works for you. Like our just. 
our, what we do on for our farm may be completely different to what we work on the neighbours. Mm. I mean, what you do for hills is definitely not what you're going to do for flats. And irrigation. There'll be, mm. you know, you're guaranteed mm. rain, I, I suppose. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah well, to be fair, they haven't done a lot this year. And every time we tried to start them, the bloody things would break down. <laughs> <laughs> Just stupid things. Um, yeah, it does, it does give you some reliance, but uh, we've had cold, coolish, dull, gluggy weather sort of all spring, yeah. and we haven't really had those big growthy days yet. Oh, yeah. It's been quite a challenge. Uh, we've certainly fed out more, so your comment earlier about trying to get away from board and feed, oh, that's something that rattles around in this office a lot. Kitchen yeah. table, the drive to town, the drive home from town. So we're always talking about it. Um, but yeah, with this, we just haven't been able to um, yeah, get that resilience in just yet. We're still trying to build it. Mm. Yeah, we're, we're the same. Yeah, you think, oh, yeah, we've got a lot of feed stored up. and But then, you know, things change and you use it and then you're buying in the stuff you don't want to buy in. So, yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's certainly been probably one of our heaviest feeding years uh, this this early. Uh, we certainly fed a lot out in the autumn in the past, but I think like this year we'll we'll act on um, some undesirable cows earlier than uh, we did have done in the past. And well, I'm sort of hoping that'll help mitigate some of that stress in the autumn. Right. I suppose in a, in a year like this year where the payout's quite high, what is you know being a low input farm? And especially like you guys, Myra and Jenny, being once a day, like what's your thinking around trying to chase the almighty dollar and a good payout year? Does that change um, the system much at all, or you just just kind of keep doing the same same, but just trying yeah, to do it think, still? For me, I want a system that's um, profitable in, in any season, whether it's high, low payout, dry, wet. That's what we're aiming for. Um, and with the rise in fertilizer costs, I mean. We just made more money out of that. In my head, I'm like, because we don't use a lot, we just made more money than the neighbour because they still put it all on. So, you know, we used to save 100000 and now we're probably saving 160000 170000 just in that cost that we don't have. Um, so that's the sort of wins for us without doing anything different. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we'll buy feed in if we have. I, I like my cows well fed. Um, I just enjoy that. I like to see them looking fat and shiny. And so I'd rather. It's like, money, it's like money in the bank, really, isn't it? Yeah, well fed animals. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty easy on once a day. Yeah. Yeah. We're the same. We're pretty soft. Uh, like to see the cows walking past the house with the happy lines and yeah. strolling along. Um, when they know they're going to a good paddock, they do run on the way out of the <laughs> shed. But that's personal choice rather than um, starvation. <laughs> they're in reasonable nick this year, so I'm pretty happy about that, definitely. But um, we could always have a bit more. And what are some other sort of key observations, guys? Like you talk about seeing, you know, well-fed cows. What are some other key observations for all of you that you 
that you're seeing that you enjoy seeing on farm or have enjoyed seeing? Um, well, for us, I think the animal health side of it is just um, quite an eye opener for me. Um, all the things that we used to battle, and that's not just on this farm, it's right through our career. Um, that they just disappeared really. So, milk fever, bloat, bloat, uh, eczema. Um, it's all pretty much gone. Uh, we even cows calving. I don't know what it is, but we only calve. We only help about four or five cows to calve. Uh, we just don't have any trouble. And I don't know what that is, but we used to have trouble. Um, no milk fever, really. Maybe, what did we have, half a dozen? Half a dozen? Yeah. Six, seven cows? I don't think we used a box of stuff. No. And then um, we used to have a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, bloat, don't use any treatment for that. Um, don't get it anymore. Um, we don't use zinc. We don't get eczema. Um, so all cost savings, but our cows are healthy. Our being once a day, our cows getting calf very easily. No pre-mating anymore. Um, you know, the vets always ask you, oh, you, have your tail painted? No. Well, what help? You won't know whether they're cycling. I said, yeah, you do. You just look in the yard and they're all jumping on each other. Um, so what do we get? 80, uh, 90, 95% in three weeks. Um, so... That's easy, no trouble anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, so farming's easier when you're not chasing, putting fires out everywhere. Um, yeah, so that's probably the biggest change is animal health, yeah. We're certainly seeing less lameness now. Um, you know, we've got some reasonable walks. It seems like you guys would too, your reasonable hectares there, so. Uh, lameness has dropped off. Um, this year's been a, it's really showed, like it's been quite wet, but we're, we're not getting the, the sore feet that we've had in the past. Uh, we had little spikes of mastitis and then it would settle down. And you know, we went for three or four weeks without a, a mastitis cow. And then we've just had a few dribble in. Um, so we've, we're still getting that. We haven't been able to eliminate it. Um, so we just, we're just constantly just checking things and making sure it's going to work. Um, yeah. We still get a bit of milk fever, but um, every year we're getting better. Uh, that's probably a bit, you know, management, feeding. We feed a bit of maize for the springers. That certainly helps. Um, calving trouble. Yeah. It's probably not as bad as some years. It's, it's, it's all over the place with calving trouble. It's not as bad as it was 10 years ago. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, bad presentation and, and that sort of thing. This year, with um, we actually gave boluses, calcium boluses, to a lot of the cows later in calving. They'd calve, we'd give them a calcium bolus, and that would just, um, we just sort of thought we'd do that to help push them along so they would you know, get their, their insides functioning a bit faster. So we're still having to do a lot of. Um, a lot of work. Um, I don't. Um, <laughs> I never thought my cows would be able to go once a day, but our cell count's just fantastic this year. 
and a colleague with cows that, that are as big as mine, he's gone to once a day. He's been on once a day most of the season. He's loving it. So maybe we could, but mm, don't, know. <clears throat> don't know about that. Scary thought. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it'd be very challenging to carve down and milk through once a day. Yeah. And, and what about breeding, guys? Can we, can we talk a little bit about breeding and what sort of cows you're trying to produce and how you go about doing that? I know, Maya, you talked a bit about your, um, you know, pretty impressive, um, you know, conception rates or, you know, at least presentation of cows. Um, can we talk a little bit about breeding and what are some of the key attributes you guys are looking for in your, you know, your young stock? Yeah, well, for us, we're looking at um, a Jersey 11 sort of type cow. That's, that's our most efficient cow on this farm anyway. You can see it in the production. All of them cows around that breeding, which are three-quarter Jersey, um, do really well. Um, could have something to do with the steep hills, I think. Yeah. They do. They can get up and down. They're, they're small animals. And with that little bit of cross, they've got a bit more capacity. Probably quite good for once a day too. Mm. Um, but where anything we don't like or that is a low producer to, is put the beef uh, right from the start so we know we won't keep any of them. Um, and we're pretty basic LIC customers. Yeah, we did there. Um, they've got a really cool bubble graph and that's what showed us the cows that were really efficient. Mm. That's why we go for that breeding. So they just spit us out a sheet telling us what to put the cows to. So majority are going to Jersey, I think. Yeah. We often sell the bottom line of the heifers like that we keep. Maybe we're keeping 95 this year. So I think we sold 19. So it leaves us all calves over 200 BW. Mm. Yeah. So and I think we put 20% to beef. Yeah. The bottom 20% our herd. And that helps with we would never ever be able to do that before because our entry rate would be quite high. And you'd have to put You'd keep all the shitter cows, yeah. calves, the whole lot, you know, just so you got enough replacements. Whereas now we're 20% of the bottom is uh, straight to beef. And we know the calves we get are the top ones. Yeah, we've um, we, we've gone overseas genetics at the moment. Um, we've changed a few years and uh, ago. We've just the udders were falling off our cows and it was heartbreaking walking through the shed going, geez, there's another one we have to get rid of, another one, another one. So we've changed changed to a different outfit and, well, you know, the others were milking now, fantastic. Um, but there comes a cost where our stature's gone up a bit too big. Um, I don't really have an issue with the temperament. Everything like that seems pretty good. You get the odd pain that has to be moved on, but... Uh, we've got a good structured cow, um, albeit a bit too big. Others are fantastic. We are battling a bit with low components, which with um, we don't like to be carting a lot of water around, but we seem to be at the moment. I am hoping that if we can get the grass functioning better, that'll improve because you know a good sort of Frisian herd can still make good milk solids. But when I've looked at my herd tests, I've had um, black and white cows at the top and the bottom, and I've had brown cows at the top and the bottom as well. So it, it frustrates me that I can't get that part right. So I think a lot of it is nutrition for us. 
Um, we grow some pretty hot grass at different times of the year and it, it does affect the cows. So yeah, we do manipulate the diet a bit with in-shed feeding and that sort of thing to try and help it. But it's a sort of a learning curve. Um, we have used a few other genetics, we have a few Montbelliards and some Fleckvays. Uh, nothing's better or worse, they're just all, everything's sort of in the middle. Um, we've battled with a bit of infertility over the last few years, uh, but that's come down to some faults in the cow shed with stray voltage and, and things like that. Uh, this year feels better, but we won't know until, we won't know until February really. It just feels better, I know that. Guys, for the, for the listeners, because um, the dairy sector is one that's close to my heart, um, what are some of the, you know, the easy, accessible, practical things that you guys have developed and learned that people can, you know, try out on their farms? You know, what are some of the things that, you know, you've, you've seen to be really effective um, without going, you know, full sandal wearing? <laughs> Um, probably um, just additional biologicals in with your fertilizer. Um, it's an easy start. Just drop your drop your nitrogen back a bit so that you know the price comes down, and you can just add your, some some biologicals with that. Um, give that a go. It's it's nice and easy, and you'll probably find you get just as big a response, if not more. Um, spraying it on, I I do a lot of that. Um, that's an easy change. That might cost you a bit of money uh, to start off, but um, cost effective. I'm sure we get, I've never actually tested it, but I'm sure I get close to double what a solid nitrogen application will get mm. with them biologicals. Um, what else? Diverse planting. Yeah, try some diverse planting. Um, that's pretty easy. And, um, you know, we feed our cows uh, seaweed in their water, agri and some of the information on that coming out is pretty promising on what it does for their rumen. Um, so I'd give that a try, something like that. There's other things you can feed them, you can try. Yeah. Pretty much what I just said, um, we're towing food as well, so... Yeah. We cut our nitrogen by 50% a couple of years ago. Uh, probably a little bit aggressive that first year. Um, the farm was so used to it. But it feels good when you're only putting a little bit in the tank instead yeah. of uh, the big big hits. But it does create another job on the farm. Um, I definitely feel good at the moment with the prices the way it is. Yeah, yeah, but I've just um, I've, I've had to have a wee spell and I've got the bulky coming in to do this round for me just so we can catch up over Christmas with staff holidays and, and that sort of thing. But we're adding humates to the blend. Um, so that's that makes me feel better on doing that. Um, even at the runoff, we've chucked a heap of humates in this year with, with the fert, and it's been a good decision. But yeah, the, the biologicals, um, we've tried a few different products over the years. So hopefully we're... Um, we're definitely building a house for them to live in. When you put the spade in the ground, uh, here in Mid Canary, normally it just bounces back at you and hits you in the chin, but now it's actually going in the ground. Um, it wriggles around the rocks. Not every paddock's perfect, um, but 
doing these little things in your deep holes. Like I said before, there's worms there. I've actually just been doing a wee project putting in some more water troughs so we can back fence more because that grows grass, back fencing. So I've been out there with a digger and digging down, um, what are we, we're probably near four or 500 with root depth now. And there's, you know, a bit of uh, activity hanging on the roots there. There's little um, clods of soil. Um, well, I could show you a photo, but it'd probably be a bit hard to see. <laughs> So but right yeah. down there at, at four or five hundred, you're getting like a you can see the the root exudates and the rhizo sheathing, yeah. Yep, I'll see if I can look it up. Um, yeah, I was by the way, and this is to be fair, is one of my worst paddocks. It has just hasn't performed for a few years, so it's um, it's going to be taken out and moved on to something better. Um, and just while Greg's looking for that, guys, what are some of the? Um, we can't see it, can you? Up a wee bit. Oh, nice. You can see that for the for the listeners who can't see, we've got a spade oh. depth here. Um, it's probably yeah, it'd be an easy five hundred deep with. What would you say that there'd be two hundred of humus tracking into clay and stone? Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, roots all the way down. Oh, it's true. I was just blown away when we we're digging, looking for the water pipe. Um, sort of got more excited about that and um, luckily didn't hit the water pipe in my excitement with the digger. <laughs> He's digging holes everywhere now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've got the line ripped in, so I just need to plumb it all up now. And and as far as grazing management goes, guys, like you talk about back fencing, Greg, and it grows grass. Can, I'd love to hear from you guys um, about, you know, what difference, uh, different things you're doing on farm, especially Maya with you being once a day. But Greg, tell us a bit about your, your grazing management and you know back fencing etc we've, we've we've put the cows into one herd which is probably a, a bit stressful over milking because it's a big number of cows but we're going into paddocks now so i've got paddocks from one and a half hectares up to 11 and a half uh, 14 hectares sorry the biggest paddock so it takes a long time to get through those paddocks if you only got two or three hundred cows in a 14 hectare paddock and if the troughs are uh, spaced out they're traveling backwards and forwards a lot. So um, we're milking one big herd, they go into a paddock and they get through it in two or three days. So we can back fence for you know, even two days and you'll see the grass freshen up after that first grazing. We can't do it every time, but we do it as much as we can. Uh, we've even started doing the um, go out after milking and wind the fence up. So, you know, when we're feeding silage, so I think that's really important. So everyone gets a fair crack at that silage, uh, not just not those greedy cows. So, um, yeah, it's a bit more work for the boys. But if we can grow an extra 50 or 100 in those first couple of days, it's a little bit less silage. We'll have to feed out in yeah, 24 days' time because that's where we're stuck at the moment is 24 days. And unless I open up the last little bit of maize, I won't be able to push it out any further uh, at the moment. And of those 24 days, Greg, like what I can hear is the majority of those days are true recovery rather than being tied up in a paddock for a week with exposure to cattle. Yes. You know, you, you're increasing that actual true recovery time, you know, pretty dramatically. If you look at that across the whole platform. Yeah. It always gets that. That front bit always gets a wee bit of a nip as the cow, you wind the fence up to bring them in for milking. 
um, which is just, you, you can't get away from it unless we rethink the whole farm, which isn't going to happen. But there's something there for them to nip, you know, like it's already started. Yeah, it's already started to regrow, yeah. Yeah, and and density, you know, you, you're increasing your density as well. Yeah, we are, yeah, yeah, in a way, yep. So, awesome. uh, the boys, the staff are um, been pretty good. Yeah, got to give them a wee reminder every now and again as you do that break. But, yeah, generally they're very good and... Uh, if we if they see that we're growing more grass, their job gets easier next time. And um, it's a snowball effect, really, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose that's actually a really good question. Just before we jump to you guys, um, yeah, how do you go getting staff on board with a different mindset? Like most of them sort of take to it pretty well. Like... Uh, yeah, yeah, they have. Yeah, um, I guess. Because, like Lena said before, we're feeling more positive about what we're doing. You're not going to the cow shed and with your head down and, you know, you're going there with a smile on your face and uh, everyone talks to each other and it's just a better feeling. So when you suggest something, it's it's four of us talking. It's not me telling them. It's... This is, this is an idea um, I heard the other day. I was listening to a podcast about something, and this, this was something that I got out of it. So we'll discuss it, and let's give it a go. Um, what's it going to hurt? And these should be our results. And, you know, we'll, we keep chatting, and if they start to see results from their work too, they, uh, it's motivating. Cool. And Myra and Jenny, are you, do you guys, are you guys just all, uh, staff-wise, are you... Just by yourselves, or you got a couple of people with uh, you? Just got the one guy, Matt. Um, he's been with us for six and a half years, I think. Mm. Um, and he ain't leaving because <laughs> he doesn't want to. <laughs> Is that his words, or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is good, you know, because we can go away and he's really good with the cows and knows the farm. Um, and we've tried everything pretty much with our grazing management over the last few years. Um, we've shifted cows up to seven times a day in spring. Um, just try it, just to see what. Um, and the time didn't warrant, warrant the benefit. Um, everyone got over that pretty quick. Um, so we're usually twice a day shifts back this year. Um, and then once we get into summer, we slow around down to 50 days. Uh, it'll be just one paddock. So no shifting, just one paddock for the whole day. Um, and that makes it, everyone gets a good, good break over summer. Um, you can go away for the day and the weekend. You don't have to set up a bat latch or shift them or anything. So, um, and that seems to work really well. They still leave a good residual. Um, the longer the grass is for us, the more residual they leave. Um, and yeah, it seems to work well. So twice a day shifting right through till summer, uh, January and then once a day. And what do you guys think is some of the key sort of aspects of maintaining, you know, happy staff and, and retaining them? Because I know a lot of, you know, the deer industry is notoriously well known for high turnover of staff. You know, what's that? And, and like I can hear it in everything you guys have said, like you've got good teams. Tell us a bit about what you guys have created to 
to bring that to the table, to have good, happy, healthy staff relationships? Poor Matt, um, he's quite a, he definitely doesn't like going to town. He's a real farmer. Um, and he has his own pigs that he rears on farm. Um, so any penicillin milk we get goes to him. And there's a money maker for him that's on top of what he earns. So we don't take any of that. Um, he also cuts his own firewood and sells that. Um, as an extra, that's what he wants to do. He quite enjoys it. Um, and obviously the once a day keeps him pretty happy. <laughs> um, but we're pretty relaxed with our, um, you know, he's 30, how old is he? 30, I think he's 35. So I don't set him jobs to do. I may indicate that things may need to be done in the next week. And he can do that when he wants. I'm pretty relaxed like that, whereas I used to be quite a go and do that, go and do that sort of thing. And for him, it's um, he's not a fast worker um, and he does things differently to me. So it's, it's better if he can go and do that his own way. If the final result's not good enough, I'll let him know. Um, and he can fix that up. But, yeah, I find that's the best way to work with him. But it's just working together too. Like mm. if he needs time off, we work around him or he works around our time off and he can go off and do all his school stuff with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I hate hearing that people, I oh know, I can't go and watch my kids at the athletics day because I've got to work. Um, I, my personal opinion is if you're farming, Part of it is being able to go and do them things, and I think people need to get more flexible around that if you want your staff to stay. Um, otherwise, they're just going to go, oh, well, let's move on. Well, your kids are only young once. You only yeah. get to enjoy them at home until they go. So for us, we try and let them. He always gives us some notice, like, oh, I've got this at school or got this coming up, and we'll just work out ourselves around it and make sure we can go mm. yeah yeah i do see that a lot uh even with school uh our daughters that um see the farm owners are all you know the couple are there but their staff often aren't yeah yeah um, which yeah is a bit bit on the nose and it's something you know we, we struggle with getting both of us along to those things ourselves so we do kind of understand it but um yeah. Yeah, when, you, when you're leaving your staff at work so you can go to, to a school thing, it's a bit on the nose. Yeah, it can be, yeah. And it's quite yeah. hard sometimes when there's something on and all the kids are at the same school. Yes. But um, quite often, if there's a working bee at school, I mean, I used to be the chairperson at the local school, I'd send him instead of myself, you know. <laughs> there you go. Go, and go to the school and do that, you know, and he loved it. Or we'd both go, like yeah. one would just go a little bit later and make sure the jobs are all done. Yeah. So. so, yeah, I think there's flexibility needs to happen, eh? Yeah. I think probably Greg and Lena can talk a bit to, you know, community contributions as well. But let's um let's hear from you guys about what's important to you both, Greg and Lena, about, you know, staff relationships and, and balance and, and, you know, that community engagement. I think being that we've got three full-time staff, it is sometimes a challenge to find the right people that gel together. Um, for example, last season we had a 2IC and it just, uh, him and another staff member clashed and it got quite ugly. It was nothing to do with the farm or us, 
but unfortunately um, they just couldn't get along together. Uh, so it is challenging getting the right people and the right dynamics working. When we get it right, it works really well. Yeah. Um, and luckily for us, we haven't had a lot of staff turnover. So when it's been right, it's lasted for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that 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 definitely is a big part of it is having the, the, the people need to enjoy working with each other. Um, because there's three of them, their roster is quite generous. Uh, so they're getting sleep-ins and they're not stuck in the shed twice a day because milkings do take a, take a wee while. Um, they do definitely get tired, but they've got the time off as well. Uh, um, there's one fellow who likes going hunting on his time off, so you know he gets to have a good mental break because he can have, have his time off and uh, that sort of thing. The other guys do, do their own things as well. Um, We've always said to staff, if they've had kids at the school, go down, you know, even if it's only for an hour, sneak down and sometimes they turn up, sometimes they don't. Um, but we always try to work things that they can go to other events, things that they enjoy, um, as long as we're getting jobs done on the farm as well. Um, like Maya said, we we'll sort of try to let the you know, get their get their own work done in their own time. Yesterday we had a big day with um, young stock animal health, so it was right. I'm going to crack on, get this done, and uh, we rolled through the day quite nicely. Everyone pitched in, and they all do do the different things. You sort of figure out who is best where, and they um, off they go. And they, they you know one bloke's better in the yards than he is with a with a um, the, the drench gun or the cotton bullet. Um, applicator, you know, those sort of things. So once you, once you work that out and people can work to their strengths, it makes a big difference. One negative I've seen is that um, for us over the last, you know, since we started till now, is that we've changed our employment agreement. So whereby back in the day, you know, you could help yourself to milk from the vat. There was the cattle beast written into the employment agreement uh, lots of things like that, that's all been taken out for us because although we do those things, we offer them um, meat every season if it's available. There's always firewood for everybody to access. If those things are in the employment agreement in past history, if, if for some reason that season we haven't had a cattle beast, and so we try to say now when we employ people, well, we do offer these things, but we're not writing it in. It's goodwill from us. And if we have it, we do it. If we don't, unfortunately, it's not available that season. And that way we're upfront about. I want to hear from all of you about your individual sort of aspirations. Like what particularly speaks to, to each of you about things that are happening on farm both now and what you want to see moving forward. And I'd actually invite the gentleman to sit back for the first round. I want to hear from Jenny and Lena. And we want to chuck that a bit wider too. Like what would you want to see aspirations for like New Zealand's farming? I would like to see the science actually start backing us as farmers. Like we're doing it, we're seeing the change. So to have them come in and start looking at it further, which I think there is a real movement for it, that will be good. Because then it's kind of like having that added proof. It's not just us seeing it, but 
the whole of New Zealand can then see the results as well. But yeah, it is, it's the resilience, not being stressed because, oh, we haven't had rain, you know, like we're going to run out of grass. So if we can get it all right, then it's actually going to be smooth. There's going to be none of these, what are they, troughs, you know, like ups and downs and chasing your tail. And the stock, my favourite is the stock, it always has been. Pretty much agree with that. Like we're trying to get a system where you're not stressed, you know, everyone's relaxed, you're profitable every year. You know, you've got different options if you get into that dry season. Um, we've got lots of different things that we do now, whether it's um, deferred grazing and, and them sorts of things. We usually have a bit of a summer crop, some deferred paddocks. Um, so not just relying on one thing. We've got lots of different um, options there. Um, and I want to pay GST. I know people think that's so stupid. But if I'm paying GST, I'm making money. People don't see that. They just see it's all tax. But, yeah, I mean, if I'm paying GST, it means I've made money. So that's got to be a good thing. It means your farm's profitable. Mm. Mm. Money's a big thing. It's good to make money and, and be, be uh, stress-free. Well, not stress-free because you're never stress-free, but, you know, a bit more relaxed and and, and happier on the farm. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jenny's, I call Jenny the, the cow whisperer because we've got that many friendly cows. Um, it's hard to get rid of them now. So it's <laughs> actually an issue for me. I don't like to get too attached to cows because when it comes to putting them on the truck, you can't do it, you know. Um, so when you're getting up to 30 or 40 or odd friendly cows, it's, it gets a bit tough, don't you reckon? Sometimes. <laughs> Not tough if they're staying. Yeah, <laughs> just retire. Lena, what about you? What are some things that you really enjoy seeing on the farm that really speak to you? And, and what do you want to see going forward, both on farm and for the industry as a whole? Um, I agree with Jenny, what she said at the start about the science. That's um, quite important to back up the direction we're all taking. Um, I like the fact that it's opened us up to a community of people that are really trying to do good things uh, you know if we hadn't gone down this path there's some really great people trying stuff so it's really nice to be a part of that uh, I'd like to see a little more um, work-life balance I feel like we're still at the early stages of our journey and so there's probably more to the work side than the the enjoyable side at this stage um, yeah we've not had much free time this spring so, I think a negative for us is that we do work more than the staff sometimes. Yeah. Because yeah. we feel like we should, and mm. that's hard to change that mindset. As long as we just keep improving, it'd be nice to walk into the shed and go to the um, the treatment board and have it blank. So when the old shed inspector turns up, there's nothing to show them. That's that's a that's a goal. I don't know if that's ever possible, but um, you know, I'm, something I'm, to aspire to. I will say on the pet cow thing, it does get a little heated here at home. <laughs> and there's a pet cow destined for the truck. I get quite upset about that. Yeah. I really like being able to talk to our friends and you know, people in the Heinz community and being able to say that talk, you know, talk about the positive things we're trying to do rather than the negative subjects that come up around dairy farming. 
it is incredible having those people around you, those courageous folk, you know, because that's what I hear and and all of you that have shared this morning is is it's, it's really courageous. It's it's going out on the skinny branches. It's taking a risk. It's you know putting your neck out. And um, for me, it's very you know it's it's they're the sort of people that I really enjoy kicking around with. That feeling of putting your neck out, though, has got easier and easier because, you know, a few seasons ago, it was it felt like we were like, why is this still happening? Or what what are we doing wrong all the time? What are we, why is this not, why are we not getting to where we need to be? And I don't feel like we've said that in the last few seasons. No. Yes, we're still making mistakes. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like... You know, we've spent billions of dollars and that mistake has happened. Did get caught out last summer with the, you know, with the dry land crop. There was no rain. It just didn't rain. So, you know, it was a bust. But some of that seeds come through after, you know, the winter rain. So it fired up. So it wasn't a total loss. Just more diversity. One, one thing I, did, I was just thinking before, actually, um, this is a bit of a going back on a tangent, but talking about stock health, because you both are quite self-contained, um, how are you finding in terms of your calves and rearing your replacements? Um, you seeing any big changes there? Like calves are doing better, you know, from day dot sort of thing right through to when you're trying to get them in calf for the first time. We, we, we touched on obviously the cares and how they're milking, but you know, didn't really touch on the young stock too much. Well, this um, is the first year we've had them at home, but the weights are looking better. They are looking really good. But then I suppose everything probably takes a check when they're trucked off farm and they go off to a different pasture and a different set of people looking after them as well. Yeah, um, yeah well, I mean, the graziers we used to use were quite good, but they wanted to drench them every four or five weeks. Uh, just saved quite a lot of money there because we drench our calves after we wean them with an oral. And then I don't drench them unless they have to be drenched now. Um, so our heifers haven't been drenched for since they were weaned, I think, um, and they look really good. Um, and I'm, I remember my uncle saying he he only ever drenched his calves once, and you know he had show show animals. He, he showed all his animals, and um, he was right into that, and they always look spectacular. So I never really understood why when I was working on a farm, we had to drench heifers and cows and when they looked fine. I think that's industry driven now though. They, they set you a program and yeah. they kind of, you know, like this is what you need to do. So it's the same for us for nitrogen. If you don't need to use it, don't use it. Mm. If you do, well then that's a decision you make then. Um, so yeah, well, I've been really happy with the results. Um, and, and our, I think our cows will have more resilience in the future to worms because they're having to deal with them themselves. But our calves are good, eh? The yeah. young stock, uh, we use less meal now than we used to, um, which is quite interesting. Uh, and more hay for yeah. our, our new calves. Yeah. And probably more milk. Yeah, might feed them for a bit longer. Yeah, we make sure they're, well, they're over 90 kilos when they're weaned from 90 to 120 in there. Um, whereas the jersey we would have weaned that at 80 in the past, you know, or put the milk in the vat and buy heaps of meal. So I sort of changed that a bit to more milk and less meal and yeah, works. Yeah, we're sort of similar this year. Um, 
we weaned over 100 and chucked a bit more milk at them. Uh, we've got robotic calf feeders. They were probably still on, they were still on what we had been doing, but I had um, some trolley bulbs and we just, you know, I pumped heaps of milk into them. And they, yeah, they've, they've grown quite well. Got up to weight a little bit quicker, I think. Mm. So it's something we'll consider for the, for the robot mob uh, next season, definitely. Um, our calves seem to bounce, get going quicker, don't they? To what they used to be, they're not as sluggish. Yep. Um, I reckon most of them are getting up and having a feed off mum, unless we have a real bad spell of weather. If the weather's reasonable, they're getting up and having a feed. And uh, you sort of show because we do still chew, we chew a couple of litres of gold colostrum. Um, that shows <laughs> some of them don't want to feed the next day because they've, they've obviously had a feed with one or two off mum and uh, they're not, they're just not hungry. Uh, but they, they get into it within a few days. Um, we don't really get, we had a few sick calves this year. Um, that was just a, a product we used to um, spray the shed. We use a biological product. It was late on farm. But when we've used that in the past regularly, we've, we just don't, don't get sick calves in, in the shed. Uh, that's just a factor. Shipping, as they grow, we, we do battle at the runoff at times to have enough feed for the young stock. So, we lose a bit of growth, I think, through there. So that compromises their mature, their mature live weight. Well, I suppose there's two-year-olds, then they're still growing a lot as a two-year-old, so heifers don't produce as much. The brother next door, he's the same. So it's not just not just us. It's it's the, um, just a lack of feed sometimes, or you know, good quality feed at the runoff. Um, it's a, we do drench a lot there, unfortunately, because it is a the young stock farm. Uh, quite often, when we do drench, I will follow up with a biological just to help protect their guts as well. And they love that. And they love it, yeah. I think because we used to get uh, rotavirus and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and since we've, we're real particular, well, Jenny made me do it. Uh, <laughs> on, um, I used to just get colostrum out of the vat for them first carvers, you know. And now we put buckets on. Yeah. That, are, that have got good colour colostrum, yeah. uh, gold colostrum, uh, first milking. And then that gets given to them, them newborns every time. Um, and that's made a big difference. Well, hey. mm. but Jenny's usually right. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't buy the stock. I think because we bought a yeah. stock and bought our herd together, that's why we got the rotavirus. It's mixing herds together. Mm. So yeah. we don't we don't vaccinate for that yeah. anymore either. Yeah. Um, and we don't get it. Yeah, we'd say we stopped um, vaccinating because we were doing that and calves are still getting sick. So what's the point? Save your money. Yeah. It was good to pull that out of the system. I agree. Why vaccinate if you still could get sick? Yeah. So guys, what I'm hearing like as a common thread through all of our discussion today is an actual fact, you know, this stuff is not that far out there. You know, like no. it's not, is it? Like it's not that scary. It is when you're surrounded by farmers that are 100% conventional and and and, no. a, and a father that used to own the farm that's like, what are you doing that for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that and that was for the first few years, right, Lena? It wasn't like it was something that you got sort of more okay with. Is that what I'm hearing? 
I'm completely fine with it now. I have no yeah. no problem with Greg trying something. But I think back at the start, it was it was everything. You know, moving away from LIC, moving away from balance, and all these angry people coming to the door, and then us questioning. You know, have, God, have we done the right thing? Yeah, we don't do that now. No, no, we still do use a bit of fur. Um, so that's just life. We're not there yet. Um, but yeah, um, buying the towing fur, I remember people driving up the road looking at me, you know, what the hell is that nearly crashing? <laughs> and uh, now what's running around the county? There's heat yeah, everywhere. You know, so everyone thought I was a weirdo seven years ago. Well, we're seeing a little bit of um, stuff at the neighbours happening that is reflective of what, what we're, we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Not that and they've talked about it. No. No. And Greg's got a, you got a 40 series cruiser? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a cool setup. Land, old 40 series Land Cruiser pulling a tow and around the place. Yeah. It's a few looks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's got brakes now, so that's way better. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys could just say a few words to the people that are just starting to prick their ears up, you know, they're just starting to get curious about, you know, what could be possible. Maybe they're like what Lena said earlier about, you know, sort of starting to question their system a little bit. What what else could be would we we be doing here? What would you say to those people just just starting their journey out? Just to try something. I mean, look, learn, listen. You know, like you might just take one thing, go home and try that. One paddock, half a paddock, just anything. It's definitely worth or even getting out there and looking at other people that are doing something. Mm, yeah, we learn heaps from going to different farms and um, even if you go and have a look at an organic farm and see what they're doing, you know, you'll get some ideas from them. You'll go, wow, that'll save me a lot of money. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to go organic. Mm. Just have an open mind. And, yeah, well, we went and saw know. one in Tiaroha and, the, I mean, we want to plant trees. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. He's got... A canopy where his cows are now eating like up the fence line, like trees, you know, like don't just eat the ground, they're eating up. Yeah, there's some smart farmers out there that you never hear mm. about. Yeah, give it a crack. It's yeah, not you're even not just eating it, is it? It's like no. protecting the grass, like in the yeah. summer, it protects it from one side and, and yeah. then it captures condensation and moisture and just yeah. keeps, you know, then it's rainy, getting extra water. Yeah, and that guy hadn't, uh, it was Gavin Fisher, he hasn't put food on for 18 years. And um, amazing farm, beautiful pastures. Certainly doesn't look like it's lacking any nitrogen or fertilizers. No, um, but he's on to a guy. So, uh, but no, he's got a beautiful little flat farm. So, you know, that's easy. But yeah, give it a go. Um, I think um, something I've seen for us that I would pass along is that Greg started to doubt his ability as a farmer when things had got quite low and just remind, you know, are you a good farmer? And if you are, you know, take that away with you. You don't stop second guessing yourself and, and take that chance and have a go. And like Jenny said, you know, just take that one step and try something. That's actually, I just have to butt in there. That is such a fantastic point. Like it's not personal. Like this, the, the way that the world has gone is not a reflection on us. You know, the way that the industry has wound up being is definitely not Greg's doing or Maya's doing. You're just doing 
you know, know to do and what you were taught to do, what you were brought up with. Really great point, Nina. Like I said earlier, don't beat yourself up if you make a mistake. But I find it hard just to do one paddock, to trial one paddock. Um, when I go out and put product on, I want to put it over the whole farm because you know I know it's going to be good. But you do, yeah, you do just take steps, take baby steps, maybe for the first year, and then go nuts. Um, <laughs> you got to, you just... Says he who doesn't do the book work. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that one for next time, Nina. Here you go, Greg, go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but you enjoy it. Um, go out there and chew on the vetch and chew on the clover and smell the oats. It, it, it's beautiful. Grow some peas in one of your paddocks and go and sit out there and eat some peas. It's nothing like that, you know. It's great being a farmer outstanding in your field, eating peas and beans. Just try it, yeah. Like everyone else has said, one paddock, give it a go. You'll love it. This podcast was supported by MPI's Productive and Sustainable Land Use Extension Services Fund. The information, opinions and ideas presented in this podcast are for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. Any reliance on the content provided is done at your own risk. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Quorum Sense podcast. Subscribe, share, and if you have any comments, questions or topics you'd like us to cover, please email us at podcast at quorumsense.org.nz or visit the quorumsense.org.nz website where you can also access past episodes. We hope you have an enjoyable week and that you've got something of real value from this podcast. Be sure to join us for the next exciting episode. We'll see you then.